1: 6 p.m. on a hot, muggy night in downtown St. Louis. I'm George Sells. You wanted Cardinal Baseball? They got the night off. You got me. With you tonight until 10 o'clock here. CamoX X at your service. And this is the eve of a big day. But which big day is it that you're most excited about? Is it, wow, tomorrow's election day? Or is it? Wow, tomorrow is the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Is a little bit of both, maybe? Because we're going to hit these topics in great detail and great depth throughout the evening as we go on through till ten o'clock. Uh, we'll be getting into. We'll have a couple of segments coming up with Hancock and Kelly, our friends from earlier in the evening. They were filling in for the Dave Glover show earlier. They're going to join us to talk a little bit about. A really interesting primary landscape on a number of fronts. Of course, the thing that everybody's talking about tonight is this so-called endorsement from Donald Trump for Eric. Go, Eric. Is it Eric Schmidt? Is it Eric Reitens? I think there's another guy named Eric running in this Republican primary also who's also claiming it. I have actually – I don't even get texts from – Republican candidates, or really any candidates normally, I have been texted twice by Eric Greitens tonight telling me that he's been endorsed by Donald Trump. When, in fact, Trump really didn't endorse anybody. We'll hear from Hancock and Kelly on that, but I, I, you know, I am a little baffled by this. I know that uh, the former president uh, finds himself amusing at times. Uh, I don't know if this is the place to uh, be trying out your new comedy routine, because it is, after all, a very important primary for the United States Senate, a primary that a lot of people think could easily be the final part of the race, you know, the the primary, the, the race that's going to decide who will be the senator. A lot of people think that's the case. Uh, if you were laying odds in Vegas, that would probably be the case. And a former president of the United States offering an endorsement in a primary is a very big deal. But then to essentially troll those voting in the Republican primary in Missouri all day long, saying, hey, I'm going to have an endorsement. Everybody gets all excited, all at Twitter, pun intended. And then all of a sudden, you get nothing. He endorses Eric. Very clever doesn't provide many answers to the voters that were seeking guidance there, but this is the political landscape we live in these days, and it just kind of is where we are. So we'll talk with our friends Hancock and Kelly about that. We will also get into the congressional race uh, here in the city of St. Louis. That one is has got a little bit of intrigue to it. Uh, county executive race is another one that has some intrigue to it, and we will get into all of those with our friends Hancock and Kelly. Coming up later on in the evening, we're also going to be talking about the baseball trade deadline. Most exciting thing that has happened today so far, or most interesting thing as far as the Cardinals are concerned, as you just heard discussed in pretty great detail, uh, was the Brewers trading Josh Hader. But it leaves us wondering still, what exactly will the Cardinals do? We'll be talking to the man who is now on the show in midday here on KMOX. Kevin Wheeler, he'll join us later on to look into that. And talk about, I want to ask him not only do you think the Cardinals will get Juan Soto, which is what everybody is asking, but there's also the question of should they get Juan Soto? I mean, tell me what you think. And I I want to hear from you here. Uh, You can text us or call in 314-436-7900 is the number. Uh, 314-436-7900. You could also tweet me. I'm at George Sells on Twitter. Love to hear from you there. And I ask you this question. How would you feel if tomorrow night, after the deadline has passed, the Cardinals have Juan Soto and they didn't add any pitching? What what What's your take on that? Producer Ethan, across the board from me here,
2: looking like he would be nonplussed. (laughs) I I tell you what, I think that there's parts of it that make you think that it would be a good thing. And parts of it think, well, you see how how much they're struggling with lack of pitching, that you have to add something in that if you want to make it to the far end of the postseason this year. So, I mean, as much as having Soto would be great, I think there's multiple pieces to the puzzle. I think you're looking long game and short game here. Definitely. I think
1: if you're, if you're talking about the long game, what's good for the franchise down the road, uh, Juan Soto immediately makes sure you you're still a contender this year, though it becomes a lot more questionable the short term what you'll be able to do. But looking to the offseason, changes you can make, moves you can make, uh, if you've got a lineup that includes Juan Soto, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. You figure Tyler O'Neill is still around and hoping he's doing what he does. Dylan Carlson may or may not be here depending on if he's part of a deal, which uh, John Morrissey uh, is reporting right now on Twitter that so far the Cardinals have not been willing to include Dylan Carlson and their top prospects in the same offer. Negotiations still going on, according to MLB Network's John Morrissey, but apparently the Nationals want a little bit of both. Uh, So long term though you figure that kind of a lineup and you and you mix in you mix in Juan Soto you add some pitching in the off season you're good to go for the two years for the two years you've got him left and then you also you're rolling the dice maybe do you sign him do you shell out you know 10 years and 350 400 million dollars whatever it would take to sign him and would they or wouldn't they you never know i think it's too early to tell on something like that but because as we saw with Matt Holiday years ago, I don't know if you, Ethan, you may or may not remember this, but when they oh, signed Matt Holiday, everybody's like, oh my God, they're spending so much money. They're, yeah, they're paying him more than Poole's. This is a ridiculously long, you know, large, long contract. Well, by the end of the contract, Matt Holiday was a bargain. Mm-hmm. So you could make the argument that if you can lock up Soto for 12 years, which would take him to his, you know, 36th birthday, which mm-hmm. is still reasonable uh even at you know 30 million a year or something like that maybe more than that even that might be a deal by the time you get to what would the year be, 2036 or right. whatever it would well, be?
2: Well, even if you don't get an extension, right, if you win a World Series, then nobody cares because exactly. you win a World Series. But if you if you do end up signing him to an extension, the, I think the biggest issue with, with Juan Soto was more so rather than the the length of the contract, it was how much he was making per year in that original offer from Washington, which was 15 years, $450 million. So right. you, if you can get him a, a 10-year offer where you're maybe even... You can forget about those last five years, which I mean, that's going to be the down the downgrade, the the end of his career anyway. Then I mean, shoot, you give him three hundred and fifty million dollars. That's probably what he's going to make at the minimum, four hundred million somewhere, and you're getting the best ten years out of him. So there's there's different ways I think that it can make sense. But like I said, you win a World Series, then no one cares if you sign him after or not as much as nearly. But the card is
1: way ahead of the horse
2: at this point because you still gotta have to get him get, first. Gotta, gotta get him first,
1: and and again, and I'll, and it goes back, and we'll we'll discuss this more later on. Uh, Pitching, you need pitching. The pitching's not been great. It's been great in spots. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited what I'm seeing in a few places here or there. But you need to do something with that rotation. And if they don't accomplish that, I don't know if Juan Soto is enough to save them. Though I will also say this: the Brewers are certainly helping us out by sending the best reliever in baseball off to another division. (laughs) So that could be that could definitely work to our advantage. So we're going to talk about that we'll get into a few other things uh librarians under attack around the country if you we get that from the new york times and that that is one that definitely has gotten some folks attention we'll talk a little bit about that later on have some time uh it's a bit strange well not strange but yeah this this culture war that is going on over books and what should or should not be in schools uh, has gotten to a point that librarians are being threatened and that is something that nobody wants to talk nobody wants to see it's just it's not a good thing anyway that's where we are at this point we're talking librarians we're talking baseball we're talking politics what are you most interested in we want to hear from you in fact i think we have a caller right now Jim is on the line. Jim, welcome to K. Yeah, good evening.
3: Um, I sat there and I looked
4: up this guy's stats today. He's not even hitting 250. Why are we wanting to give away the farm for some guy that's not even getting a hit a quarter of every bat?
1: You make a good point. There are a lot of people that will ask that question, and I am not. Uh, I'm not the experts that some of the other guys on this station uh, are when it comes to. All the the nitty-gritty details, but what I can tell you is that he is hitting home runs at a pace in his career thus far uh, that put him on lists with people like Mickey Mantle, among others. And that, Dave, whole, whole, that that Trout, a lot of big names a lot yeah, of big names a lot of big names and it's a power you know let's face it it's a it's a power game these days he is not hitting as well for average as he has as he has in the last couple of years so you can make the argument that you know is this a you know is this the real him or is he just a little off on average uh, as he goes for power uh, but he, a lot of people are comparing this guy to the greats as far as where they were at age 23 they're saying he is better. Than many of the greats at that age. He's, he's that five tool player. Uh, he can hit for a lot of power. He hits for average. He's got speed. He plays defense. Uh, he's a, he's a unicorn, and that's why everybody is throwing a lot of money his way. And I think the one thing that is interesting, Jim, and I I really I'm curious what you think about this. The question becomes with Juan Soto versus what the Cardinals would have to give up to get him is. Do the Cardinals spend too much time falling in love with their prospects? Because we always Uh hear about these guys who he's going to be the next great this and the next great that. And some of them have panned out, but a lot of them haven't. And if you've got a guy who's already a proven quantity, a three-time all-star, who's barely old enough to shave, you know, that's a guy we know can do it. We don't really – we still don't know about any of these guys that are sitting in double and triple A. Yeah, I
4: I agree with that. I mean, Brian Barber comes to mind. He was the next big thing. Never even made it to the big leagues, I don't think. But what we need more than anything right now is starting pitching.
1: Amen, my brother. We definitely need some starting pitching because I'm a guy who would like to see a World Series this year and not keep thinking about what it's like next year or the year beyond that. So if there's any luck, maybe we see a little bit of both. And that's where we go from there. We're up against a break, Jim. Thank you for your call. It is 818 downtown St. Louis. I'm George Sells with you till 10. We'll be back on Camo X Set your server.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? <laughs> it's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.
2: Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
1: service on a Monday night. George Sells with you until 10 o'clock. Of course, tomorrow... Is Election Day, and it wouldn't be Election Day or Election Eve on KMOX without John Hancock and Michael Kelly. Gentlemen, how are you today?
3: Great. Good to be with you. Good to see you, George.
1: Thank you very much for taking a few minutes, but there's just, there's so much to this. There's so much going on. I guess the lead story right now, and uh, John, let's start with you on this one. Uh, Mr. Trump... Gets everybody all excited, all a Twitter, if you will, pun intended, about an endorsement in the Republican primary and then basically wimps out <laughs> or yeah. at least wouldn't endorse. What, what did you make of that? Was he just trying to be funny?
4: Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, it, it, by endorsing, quote, Eric, which is what he did earlier today, uh, he's effectively saying that Eric Schmidt, and Eric Greitens, they're, they're both claiming the endorsement. It really is of no effect whatsoever. In the race and it's so late you know that a trump endorsement to have some real heft to it would have needed to have come a few weeks ago and that didn't happen so i think that the political Im- impact of it is going to be fairly minimal what did you think michael
3: i think it's childish and juvenile i mean <laughs> that the president the former president has done this to these guys i've never seen a group of folks fawn over themselves and then humiliate themselves as much as all the Republican candidates have for the United States Senate to get this endorsement. And then to watch what's happened over the last 48 hours, it's been laughable because he, the president essentially is trolling these people from my perspective. I don't think it does either of them any good. They're both claiming uh, the endorsement, and I'm not sure it's going to change much in the race. And if I'm Eric Schmidt, I don't know if who ultimately I think is ultimately going to win. How excited I would be to have Donald Trump's support! I I guess that's what you have to do if you're a Republican these days.
1: From a gravitas standpoint, all serious and in all seriousness, uh, this is a primary that you know. If you had to put money on it, in Missouri is likely to decide who is going to be a United States senator. This is a former president of the United States. This is serious, heavy stuff, and yet. We get this. Uh, I've never seen. Does it frustrate you as a Republican, John? Yeah, I've never seen anything
4: like it. Uh, You know, it's it's virtually unprecedented for former presidents to endorse in primaries. I mean, it doesn't happen very often that I can ever recall. And President Trump's endorsed all over the country, and in some cases, the candidate he's supported has won the nomination. I'm thinking about Doctor Oz in in Pennsylvania, where he's double digits now behind the Democrat, and that's a that's a Republican held seat that we're likely now to lose. And the Trump-endorsed candidate in Georgia, Herschel Walker, is also down double digits in that state. And these these are two races where, you know, the right candidate, conservative Republican candidate, should have won in this political environment. It's going to be a great Republican year, but when we're nominating people who can't win in November, and I think those two places are very much that way, and I think we would be too in Missouri if Eric Greitens... Ends up winning this primary, uh, that's you you're really taking opportunity and just throwing it out the window,
1: Michael. Everybody's always talks about about midterms, first ter- you know first term of a new president that it's bad news for whatever party that is. Uh, do you see? And, I, and I'll start in Missouri, and then we can spread our wings outward. But do do you see that potentially being? Different this no. year, like could, could Eric, you know, should Eric Greitens win the no, win the no, Republican nomination and then you throw in the third party candidate that John Danforth is behind? It, is this enough to split things up and, and let a Democrat slip in there? Oh, I sure
3: hope so. Um, you know, if Eric Greitens were to win, I, I think that's bad for Missouri, just the the very tempting thought that he could be the governor again. Is really a scary thought. But put that aside and, and say the Republicans choose him as a nominee. I think this Senate seat is in play, particularly with the third party candidate. Uh, and I think Democrats will enjoy a lot of uh, uh, a lot of crossover votes from Republicans who are just fed up with Eric Greitens and to a certain extent, a lot of the Trump nonsense. John?
4: Well, Eric Greitens certainly puts a seat in great je- jeopardy for us. And the third party, the independent candidate that Danforth is backing, would perform better if Eric Greitens were the Republican nominee. Yeah. I think if it's Eric Schmidt or Vicki Hartzler, I wouldn't expect the independent candidate to catch much because he he's running as a conservative, so he's not going to take any votes from the d- Democrats. And he's running as a pro-life independent, in a, in a cycle where the Democrat vote, at least, is going to be infused by the abortion issue. So he's not taking any votes from the Democrat. He's only going to take votes from the Republican. I don't think he will materialize into much if we nominate an electable Republican candidate.
1: And do you think Eric Schmidt is that guy? I, than- could, yeah, sure.
4: I think Schmidt or Harsley or either one uh, would pretty handily carry this seat in this cycle. In this cycle.
1: Uh, let's let's move into the city of St. Louis, gents. Uh, you've got a congressional race that is that is pretty interesting. Michael, what do you, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, Cori Bush is the incumbent. You know, we're, we're sitting there, though, with a, she, she's facing it. If you, if you judge by the signs I've been passing, driving around the city of St. Louis the last few days, uh, she's got a she's got a challenge in Steve Roberts.
3: Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, One of the old political adages that both John and I talk about all the time is signs don't vote. Um, And, you know, people can have a great sign campaign, but will it motivate people to move to the polls? Um, Look, uh, objectively, I think this is Cori Bush's race. I think she's probably going to win it pretty handily. Uh, She's running against a state Senate candidate, Steve Roberts, who I think has some flawed issues that he's uh been not think he does have some issues that uh, make him to be perceived as flawed that he's gonna to have to weather. Um and I think that the celebrity of the squad and 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 everything that Corey's been doing has still not worn off in St. Louis despite the fact that this is a congresswoman who's voted against the infrastructure deal that would have brought $6 billion worth of money to Missouri and Missouri jobs, union jobs. She's voted against the uh, packages for defense spending that had to deal directly with the biggest producer of weapons and planes in the country, and that's Boeing that happens to be in her district. She's been advocating for defunding the police in a city that's rampant with crime. Uh, Unfortunately, those issues aren't going to resonate here, resonate uh, in this election, and I think she probably wins pretty handily. And I think that's bad for St. Louis because ultimately uh, we need an advocate for the jobs that we have left, and we don't seem to have that in the congresswoman.
1: Tell me this. If uh, if Steve Roberts does not have this personal baggage, you know, these sexual assault allegations and all this, I mean, it's it's more than just baggage. I mean, there, there's a lot of very serious stuff there totally. it, because his message— you know you watch his commercial or you or you, you listen to his message and it's pretty much just what you laid out uh there there is a s- strong part of the voting populace that would might follow well that. here's
4: here's the problem you have in primary elections the the turnout is small uh the turnout is much more ideological both parties than the than the public as a whole and somebody that's running to the edge, as Cori Bush does, so the left edge, is going to fare better among that turnout population. You know, she could not have defeated Lacey Clay in a November election. She couldn't have done it. But she, she defeated him in an August primary election. She's going to beat Roberts in this August primary election, too. And I think she's going to beat him by a lot.
3: I, but I do think that long-term, Cori Bush uh, potentially could be vulnerable. Uh, I'm not sure it will happen in this cycle. Um, if she is vulnerable, it will be the next cycle. Otherwise, she'll be the congresswoman for life.
1: Interesting. Well, there's a lot more. Do you guys have a moment to hang out for one more segment? Sure. Okay. Well, maybe Michael and I can stay because I've, I've seen a look on John's face like he's got to be someplace. So, <laughs> George Sells with you. Camo X at your service. Back in a moment. <laughs> Dan at your service. George Sells with you until 10 o'clock. Round two, Hancock and Kelly, Sans Hancock. He had to run. Michael Kelly's still with me. And Michael, uh, we've got a county executive race here that has been it's been pretty interesting. There's a, there's a lot of just there's just a lot of anger around that whole seat and that whole office and just going back through the last several months. What what is your take on this?
3: Let me preface this by saying that I've done some work for some groups that are supportive of Sam Page, so I want to fully disclose that. Okay, I'm going to give you my objective observation of where this race stands and of both candidates. Um, Sam Page is the incumbent uh, county executive. Uh, George, it is really hard to beat an incumbent. Um, He's out fundraised his opponents. Um, He really hasn't spent much money on television or radio, Uh, which is usually an indication that their polling is likely really good. Jane Duker, who's one of my very good friends, I think has run a strong campaign and putting together some grassroots support. Many of the people who are upset with the direction the county took during COVID, whether it be youth athletics, the masking mandates, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of other questions related to crime. Uh, I think it's an uphill battle for Jane, but anything's possible when people go to the polls and vote. Jane sure does have a lot of ammunition in the last couple of months, though, whether it be the indictment of one of uh, Sam Page's uh, count, uh, you know cabinet members or the resignation, which should have been a termination, of his chief of staff for uh, uh, the, the sex act that took place in the office. So a lot of that uh, should have and should conspire to be helpful to Jane. The one problem you have is you have a heated... Uh, battle for the united states senate which we've already talked about and a lot of those voters who will definitely be playing a role in the november election are going to be tied up in this primary and that probably puts jane at an even bigger disadvantage but anything's possible uh if you were asking me tonight who i think is going to win i think sam page likely wins this race tell me this I, when i
1: moved here 14 years ago uh, you were you were given certain political truisms about politics around the St. Louis area, and one of them was that a countywide office is pretty much going to go to a Democrat that the primary decides it. Is that shifting? Is that different this year? No, uh,
3: I think a Democrat will be your county executive. So whoever wins tomorrow will likely, uh, you know, ninety percent chance will go on and be the county executive. The one thing that's changed in those uh, couple of decades that you've been here is the county used to be very sleepy, non-controversial, didn't really attract a lot of the attention. There wasn't much combatedness amongst the members of it. We usually looked to the board of aldermen in the city of St. Louis and always kind of pointed that as a joke. If you look at this county council and what's going on in St. Louis County since uh, the end of Charlie Dooley's term, the Stanger election, which ultimately he gets reelected and ends in him going to jail and now Sam Page, there's a hostility in uh, uh, a circus-like nature that, that exists around St. Louis County that just didn't happen in the past. And I'm not sure the voters are too thrilled with uh, you know a county uh, that's not humming along, just kind of doing its job and getting
1: involved in these petty fights. Tim Fitch certainly lit a fire under it for a while. It seems like he's at the center of most of these arguments.
3: Well, Tim Fitch, Sam Page. Uh, uh, Sam Page was a big uh, adversary of Steve Stanger. Uh, and then you saw Tim Fitch, uh, who was an ally of Sam Page's at that time, now become an adversary of Sam Page. Uh, I think it speaks to the nature of, you know, there's a million people in St. Louis County. This also happens to be with with no Democratic statewide office holders. Uh, you know, this is the most prominent Democratic elected office in the state of Missouri. So the Republicans are fired up to throw gasoline on an inter-party uh, intra-party fight that's taking place, and the Democrats can't seem to agree on what day it is. So uh, unfortunately, the sleepy days of St. Louis County have now been turned into the
1: Board of Aldermen on steroids. Big, broad, sweeping question: National politics, uh, or politics in other states? What what jumps out at you? Is there anything that you're looking forward to settling in on the couch tomorrow night and paying close attention to?
3: Well, uh, this continued battle of to the endorsements of Donald Trump, and John pointed this out in our previous segment that most of the races that Donald Trump's gotten involved in, he's been a discriminator in in making that happen for those candidates. But when you look at whether it be Herschel Walker or Dr. Oz, these have become very controversial uh, candidates who are really not embraced by most in the Republican Party, surely nobody in the Democratic Party. So what I'm continuing to watch is, thankfully, from my perspective, the erosion of the meaning that is Donald Trump. Donald Trump has a stranglehold on the Republican Party's primary process. He does not have a stranglehold on the Republicans, and ultimately we're starting to see that Donald Trump being your stalwart could be a scarlet letter on you as you go towards November.
1: What happens? I was going to say because maybe this year – this year plays out. It does what it does. We go two years down the road, and you've got obviously a presidential election, which he may be running in. Uh, Does he get out of the primaries – you said he owns the primary process, but at the same time, it does make you wonder, uh, is he a, vi- is he a, str- a strong well, candidate? He
3: has 30 percent of the Republican Party believes he hung the moon. They almost treat him with a deity status. Uh, you know, the, the, many of the principles that conservative Christian Republicans have often been supportive of in the past are not represented in Donald Trump. Uh, this is we've got a long way between 20, yeah. <laughs> 2022 and 2024. number one I'll make a prediction right now I don't think Joe Biden will be running for re-election and I'm not sure do Joe, uh, Donald Trump will run for re-election either because we continue to see this erosion uh I, I think he could be a problem for Republicans but I don't think he'll be their nominee
1: okay so you heard it here first. No Trump in 2024. you've heard, you've heard it from Michael Kelly. Um, do, do, we, do we see new blood then? And also in that election, you were talking about you know how this might harm people. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Mr. Hawley comes back. Is it Is there enough time for him to sort of well, let knows? this other thing wear off that he's you know being the subject of the January 6th committee? No, what's
3: unfortunate <laughs> about Josh Hawley is that he has become a pariah inside the United States Senate building. And the biggest concern I have about our Senate uh, race here is whoever our United States senator is going to be, they're going to have to do the work of both senators because this man, uh, Josh Hawley, does not have support on either side of the aisle. Uh, The Republicans will not deal with him, and surely the Democrats will not. Who knows? Josh Hawley may be one of those people who thinks he can be Donald Trump in 2024. I wouldn't be surprised to see him run for president. Uh, I think you've got uh, the Governor DeSantis down in Florida who seems to be sucking up a lot of the MAGA energy with people who are fatigued with Donald Trump. Uh, I think the primary process could be interesting on both sides. But, uh, you know, and Josh Hawley may be one of those candidates that's running for president because I don't know what his Senate reelection looks like. But in terms of bringing home opportunity for Missouri in the United States Senate, This is a man who doesn't even have the support of his Republican colleagues. That's a problem.
1: Last question for you. I'm going to bring it back home here to to finish up. And as a guy in in the business you're in, as a Uh political consultant, you're involved with the advertising. Yes, sir. Boy, it just seems like every cycle it gets just a little nastier and a little meaner. I mean, we've, we've had the attack ads for years. I'm not naive. And they obviously work or people wouldn't keep running them. But wow
3: we've we crossed a threshold i think uh uh in 2016 where we started to use rhetoric which is uh, absurd and that would have been you you'll remember that that was eric greiton's uh, shooting a gun and was blowing up stuff of course the crass language of president trump helped accelerate that think no further than what we witnessed in our own senate primary one of them standing there with a flamethrower one of them standing there with an ar whatever they call them uh, and and it's just become so divisive and, you know, politics is a substitution for violence. Um, think about that. That's really what it's all about. It's, politics is a substitution for violence. And we have candidates who are saying, I'm going to blow up the other party and blow up members of my own party. I'm going to take a flamethrower to rhinos. This is the type of rhetoric you expect in a third world country, not the greatest democracy on the planet. I hope that we get back to some sense of normalcy, but unfortunately, George, I think we're headed towards something bad happening before we get that recon, reconcile day that needs to take place with our language, with the way that we're treating each other, and with the way that we're running campaigns these days. Well, Michael Kelly, thank you
1: for taking the time. A sobering it's sobering thought. It huh? is. I mean, I, I don't want to end it on a complete downer here, yeah. and, and, that's, and you, you make a, a valid, if not scary, point. Uh but it's you know, it's it's become the world we live in. I think what's interesting is that people continue to say they hate hearing these commercials. And 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 both sides. You know, there you've got the, the the one democratic candidate uh putting the other democratic candidate in the Klan and then she's yep. turning I mean, it's just one well, thing after another and it's just uh
3: And this is this <laughs> is what happens when you have such a gerrymandered situation where the party squabbles are such. The rhetoric gets heated up. And so by the time one of these Republicans or one of these Democrats comes out to face each other, they've got to take this rhetoric to a next level. And what is the next level? Literally, maybe potentially shooting your opponent? That's sure what it sounds like in their own advertisements. And this is just this is bad for democracy.
1: So, folks, maybe maybe the answer is we we stop listening to these ads, or we somehow lash out against them. Michael, thank you so much. I know tomorrow night it's like it's like a it, it's like Major League Baseball playoffs or a YouTube concert for you. So, yeah, buddy, <laughs> enjoy we'll be the on evening. Fox Two
3: uh, counting it all down on uh, Fox Two in St. Louis for anybody who wants to watch Hancock and Kelly.
1: All righty, thank you so much. Thank you to John Hancock who had to leave us a little bit early. I'm George Sells back with you in just a moment. Twitter, You've been following this already, but we'll, we'll drop it in here. Now Cardinals finalizing a deal to acquire left-hander Jose Quintana from the Pittsburgh pirates sources telling ESPN that's from Jeff Passan. So you want pitching, you have pitching at least a pitcher. I don't know if you'll call him pitching. He's not the top end guy on the list of available starters that were out there, but, uh, Jose Quintana is a guy with a about a 3.5 ERA so far this year. He's gonna give you five innings a game. He's not gonna walk a bunch of people. He's a guy you can drop in there to eat innings uh in the fifth starter slot. But there is some other stuff developing that kind of goes along with this, uh, that just you know sort of adds to adds to the intrigue, I guess you would say. And that's, uh, for starters, another of the pitchers that people were talking about for the Cardinals, uh, Tariq Skubal from the Tigers, apparently is injured. That came down about 10 minutes ago. So now the Cardinals may have just plucked the best that is left as far as starting pitching on the market. And on top of that, there's also some chatter out there that Steven Matz, recovering from his knee injury, may be done for the year. So, one step forward, two steps back, possibly. (laughs) It's tough to say at this point. Obviously, a lot of this is just social media conjecture. And that's what's fun about a radio talk show, is we can sit here and read Twitter to you. Exactly. Tell me what you're what do you see? What are you seeing over there? We're, we're working the we're working the phones here. Or we're working st- the Twitter. I'm
2: starting to see some stuff uh, about the return for Jose Quintana. The name that is getting thrown around constantly is Johan Oviedo as one of the pieces. I haven't seen any truly credible sources by credible, meaning, you know, John Heyman, Jeff Passan, Ken Rosenthal, any of those. So still waiting for further confirmation to see if that is true. I don't buy it. It'll be interesting. To I don't see. buy it. He's a guy that has shown potential. He's young, very yeah. young still. A, a lot of green, um, but he's, you know, he's also kind of one of those in-between guys where you're not giving up a huge piece for a Quintana a half season. True, of Quintana. but
1: he is a. But he is a. He's also a major league ready pitcher. I mean, you know how ready. Right. Begs begs discussion, but a major league ready pitcher nonetheless, and. Quintana is a guy that everything I'd seen up to now they were talking about you know a couple of unranked minor league prospects would be enough to get the job done for him so it it seems like even though Oviedo has had his ups and downs and yeah you know, more downs than maybe we would care for it it seems like a reach that we would give up a guy who has already Shown at least in fits and starts that he can do it in the big leagues.
2: Well, part of that too is having I think also realize if if eventually you're going to have to start giving pieces up if you want something in return, and maybe this is a situation where Mozelech realized that. So
1: okay, well we'll see. So here we go. It's on, Cardinal fans. Less than 24 hours to go on the trade deadline. More on this coming up in the next hour. I'm George Sells.